approaches. Blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, Whoa, welcome back into another edition of the Fantasy Coaches Podcast. This is part two of our quarterbacks, busts, sleepers, and breakouts. You might have checked in our part one before here. Due to the length of our episode, we decided to cut it off into two podcasts here. So please enjoy the second part of our two-part quarterbacks, busts, sleepers, and breakouts. All right, yeah. All right, let's get over to John's breakout now. John, who's your breakout? Uh, so my breakout pick is Jordan Love. Um, Jordan Love is kind of a, an easy breakout pick for everybody. So I took the low-hanging fruit, um, quarterback 21 right now off the board. He's, you know, left not left for dead, but he's much later on. Listen, he was a first-round pick not far removed when they absolutely did not need a quarterback at all. And, and, you know, the Packers went and grabbed him. They thought he fell far enough that he was worth it. And they've seen something clearly over the past three years that they don't feel like they need to, they didn't need to go get another quarterback at any opportunity. They were comfortable with uh, Aaron Rodgers leaving everybody and every beat reporter I talked to everyone around the team feels super confident in Jordan loves ability. So, you know, really the weapons around, I mean, I'll get to the weapons after. So really it's just on Jordan love to do basically what he is you know, projected to do. He's just he's not projected to be this unbelievable, you know, world beating Trevor Lawrence esque guy. No, he's just gonna he's gonna be a solid throw for, you know, 3,500 yards, rush for another five, six hundred, and and you know, you hope that the weapons take him over the top. So you have Christian Watson, you have Jaden Reed, you have Romeo Dobbs, they added Luke Musgrave, you have Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon in the backfield. Their offensive line is not terrible. I mean, he's set up to put up points he's set up to do well so you know quarterback 21 you know i'm not going to sit here and say he's going to blow up and be a top five guy but there's easily a world where he's in the low teens you know he's quarterback 13 14 and you're like all right this is awesome and so you know when you get later on especially in two quarterback drafts when you get later on you're looking for that guy who can't just match his adp but can beat it like you know, again, we talk about like a Derek Carr, like, yeah, maybe he hits his ADP. Great. I'll take my chance on a guy that might really beat his ADP. And, and that's Jordan Love, um, super athletic, cannon of an arm. If you don't remember him because it's been a few years, uh, go back and watch some of his um, college film. Go back and watch some of his draft grading. People loved him. Um, you know, I, people were hot and bothered about Trey Lance, kind of the same way they were about Jordan Love. So it, it's I think there is a world with weapons and a scheme around him where he could really um, put up good numbers and establish himself as a legitimate starter in the NFL. Any disagreement from anyone? I like him better as a sleeper than a breakout. Yeah, I I like him as a strong QB too. I think that uh, I've got him ranked in a similar like low-end QB too only because – I've got some of those pocket passer guys. Like, I've got Carr above him, and I probably do need to switch that. Like, well, maybe not Carr, but, like, because um, I'm, I'm actually decently high on Carr. Their schedule is ridiculously easy. Um, but maybe pushing him above something like Matthew Stafford, players like that. Like, yeah. But, but I, I like Love. I mean, I think, like, the other part about this LaFleur offensive scheme and, and one of the big reasons why, like, I was – high still remain high on Christian Watson is that like, and with the addition of Jaden Reed this year is that it's all predicated off a of yak, putting these guys in space and putting them like having them run crossers, getting them into space and really making things a little bit easier for Jordan love. Cause like everybody wants to go back and then like, if they want to look at like some of those plays that Jordan love, like made when he got on the field last year, none of those throws were difficult throws. So the other part about that is I think LaFleur can also put him in situations where he's not going to be asked to do things that are are like where he's having to raise the floor and the ceiling on the offense. I think the scheme can also help him out a good bit. And I mean, just look where they're surrounding him with it's, it's all young guys, all athletic guys, all guys that they're, they're, 
pushing their chips in. And whether we want to talk about Jane Reed, we want to talk about Christian Watson, you want to talk about Dubs, you want to talk about Tucker Craft. All of these guys can create something after the catch. Now, that's obviously there's various levels to that. But it's all to say that these are players that fit the Green Bay Packers offensive scheme. And what they're going to ask out of Jordan Love, especially in a fantasy to do, I think that he's not going to sit here and have to do a lot of the heavy lifting. And they're not going to ask the same things that they did out of Aaron Rodgers to really make this offense hum. I think they're going to set up Jordan Love well. Now, the question is, can he make that step? It's possible. I'll take shots on him. Anyone else, Jibs? Yeah, I don't mind Love. Like, I, I think he's if – they, if they sat him for God knows, like, five, six years, he better be doing something <laughs> damn right. Shit. Um, excuse my language. But like, I do love the pieces around there. I'm like, they have, like, even the rush, uh, the running game, they have Jones. They still have Dylan. They, they have things that could operate. I, I don't think they're going to just let this guy – um, out the drive. So, like, uh, I think he has. I have an optimistic view. Steve, you saw me kind of like stockpile some Jordan Loves in our uh, couple of dynasty leagues. So, like, yeah, I, yes. I do like his outlook. Okay. All right. So, Jibs, let's get over to your breakout quarterback. Who we got? I got oh, your man. Speak it. Speak oh, sorry. It. Oh, oh, too far. <laughs> oh, I got speak two, it, baby. Uh, Let's I got go. two Tagovailoa. Um, maybe not too bad. Sorry. Um, the only thing that could stop him. Um, I mean, sorry. There's a couple reasons why I love two this year. Obviously, uh, I don't think he's going to get concussions this year. But, um, dude, this guy was um, balling before everything that transpired last year. I love that he has literally a top three wide receiver tandem on his team that we're drafting two of these guys before the third round. Two, I believe, had like 3,500 passing yards before he kind of um, at the season's end. So, like, I think if he stay healthy and um, – kind of round out the year. I think he could be a 4,500-yard passer. Um, the Miami Dolphins were basically the sixth-best offense in the NFL last year. They had the fourth-most passing yards in the offense, and they drew for the sixth-most passing touchdowns. So all those things kind of work in his favor. He just has to kind of stick it out in the field. And I'm just praying. I'm praying. Big Tua, baby. Let's go, baby. Yeah, let's go to it. Let's go to it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the Dolphins fan is on your side. Of oh, course. So how do you guys feel about Tua as a breakout Steve, do you sleep with that under your pillow? Like, yes. I got to ask. It sleeps like, next. It sleeps under my one side pillow. Yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, like, that, that, that's that's nice, man. I, I love the – I love pro Tua conversations, man. I just – I don't understand outside of, like, the the concussion concerns like why why do we not love Tua more like what, what what did he not do enough like last year man like he was a QB nine in fantasy points per game when he played he showed us immense ceiling outcomes as well as like we don't think the the offensive coordinator didn't change weapons oh, didn't man. change if anything things got better like I don't get it man like. Tua, basically any efficiency metric that you look at, whether it's completion rates, whether it's fantasy points per dropback, whatever you want to parse out about Tua, somebody's going to have to find me a category where the man didn't finish damn near the top of the list in everything. So, like, people want to shade him or they're like, well, I don't know if we believe or he doesn't run or he doesn't do this. It's like, what? Hmm. Like, what holes you want to poke in this man's game? And people are like, well... But he doesn't run as well. Well, I mean, I can make you a really easy narrative that like or a case that that bounces back too. because if we looked at the two previous seasons, two only ran for 70 yards last year. No rushing scores. You look at 20 and 2021. The man was averaging three rushing touchdowns per season. So we want to talk about regression. Well, (laughs) probably going to get a rushing touchdown this year. Maybe more than that. dude. Like so like. I just don't understand why there's still persistent to a hate. Like he came out last year and should have shut everybody the hell up. As far as haters, like he played really well. Mm-hmm. And yet we still see people like clowning the man. Like he can't throw deep. He can't do this. He can't do that. Well, I'm sorry. I will lean on the side of the fact of the guy that had was top five and deep ball completion rate, deep ball accuracy ratings. So y'all can get up out of here with all of this low. He can't throw deep. He can't do all these things. 
Show me a statistical column where Tua wasn't freaking awesome at last year, and then maybe we can have a conversation about how Tua ain't that great. Tua is fantastic. Sometimes when he did throw the waddle, that was uh, anomalies. <laughs> I just, okay. I don't get it, man. I feel like it's, it's just all these like take lock scenarios, all these people trying to prove how like, you know, I hated Tua as a prospect. I'm still out on him now. Blah, 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 blah. Like they are, it's just people sewn up in, in into trying to prove their priors to be right, man. And it's uh, even the concussion stuff. I'm old enough to remember when we were all as a consensus, like, Man, you know, and it's a different position, okay? But weren't we all out there, like, like saying, man, I don't know if we could draft Brandon Cooks. Yeah. Like, one more concussion, he's, he's out the league. Yeah. Five years later. Brandon Cooks is still kicking around. He's got a new team, and, I mean, he's still doing the damn thing, and he's playing a, a position where people get hit even more. And yet we're worried about Tua sitting here being like, hey, Tua, uh, check the ball down. Hey, Tua, get the ball, ri- get, get rid of it to your hot read faster. Hey, Get rid of the goddamn ball, son. Like, we can, he can't do that. He can't avoid hits and stuff. But we're sitting here worried about all of this. I, I, whatever, man. A lot of great things I'm hearing out of camp from him so far, whatever this offseason is, that the coaching staff is doing everything they can to find different ways to get him to not get hit as often, obviously. And Steve, can we also that. talk about he's thick? That dude oh, is he's thick. thick. Yeah, he's thick now, yeah. <laughs> he's got those oh, AJ Dillon quads, baby. He's going to oh, yeah. get them rushing scores. He's like, he's going to get at the goal line. He's like, you're not stopping these thighs, son. <laughs> Eating right this offseason. The man wants to do well, and I'm, I'm thrilled that he's our quarterback right now. So I like the pick there, Jibs. Let's get on to my breakout quarterback here, and it's Mr. Jared Goff himself. He's in that QB 16. I feel like there's no appreciation for Jared Goff. I feel like everyone thinks he's still a Ram from like three years ago. Actually, it was only two years ago that actually happened. But, I mean, end of last season, Jared Goff was amazing November, December last year. Truly amazing. 17-1 and touchdown interception ratio last year with what? Amron St. Brown. They didn't. They traded TJ Hawkinson at that point. I mean, Josh Reynolds. Khalif Raymond, like there's no one there. And, and Jameson Williams wasn't even used last end of last year. And he performed at a high level for it in fantasy. He was a top 10 quarterback in the back half of the season. He is probably one of the best young offensive line in the game, a division that's very winnable and doesn't have the best defenses. Uh, you know, you have a legit wide receiver one on your team. You have a nice young tight end in Sam Laporta that is going to make some noise as a rookie. Jameson Williams will come back after six games and, Probably be used more than just like what a few targets he had last year. He's going to be used more in this offense. Jared Goff showed that he can throw the ball deep. Uh, Jameson Williams is going to help with that a lot this coming season here. He was also first in drop passes. So his team needs to learn to catch the ball a little bit better. And if they do that this year, Jared Goff could have had a little bit of a different situation. He's got an easy quarterback schedule this coming season here. I mean, they have a good running unit there that I think they might actually rely on the pass just a slight more than that they showed last year. They have a better pass catching back in terms of being on the field and being utilized hopefully this year in, in Gibbs and what they showed with Swift last year. There's no reason why Jared Goff, you're drafting him like that. He could be a major difference for your team this year and show that that upside he showed us back in 2018 when everyone was falling in love with him. He's starting to have those similar pieces, a good young offensive line, you know, Weapons in the in the passing game here. There should be no reason why Jared Goff can't break out this season. Yeah. Do you guys disagree? No, no I no. like it, man. I, I love golf. I think that if you look at his season overall last year, it was um, – I'm not going to say a season of two halves, but you have to also give it context of when the, – the weeks where he had weapons, when DeAndre Swift wasn't banged up, when you had plus like post-TJ Hawkinson trade. And – Again, I think, like, looking at some of the things on FantasyPros.com, it's like he had the 11th highest top six rate amongst all quarterbacks. So, like, when the man had weapons around him, he was producing. Now, I get that Jamison Williams is not going to be out there for the first six games. But just like Steve was talking about, Sammy Ballgame is a damn baller, okay? I, I love Sam Laporta. I think he is going to crush. He might not roll with the receiving yards and stuff like that. And I'm not telling you he's going to be a top 12 tight end. He's going to be a red zone weapon. He is going to produce yards after the catch. And also, 
they still have uh, having Jameer Gibbs can also be a plus those first few weeks we're waiting for JMO to come back. And what are we talking about after Jamison Williams comes back? If Jamison Williams is that guy, you're fielding an offense that's starting with Jamison Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, and Jameer Gibbs. I'm sorry. That looks pretty damn good to me, baby. Like, that's some good weapons. And nobody's out on Ben Johnson. Everybody like likes the like offensive that. coordinator there. Oh, yeah. And I, I'll give one more little fun factoid about J- Jared Goff. Over the back half of the season, this team was top 12 in neutral script pace and neutral passing rate. Top 12. And you don't hear anybody talking about the Lions as a team that is going to run faster and throw more this year. But I'm telling you, it's coming. Yes. I love it. Love it. All right. So let's get to our sleepers. We'll do those really quickly here. Derek, you're back on top. So there is your quarterback sleeper. Man, if you'd asked me a few uh, months, uh, a year ago, if I'd be saying this man's name, much less telling you he's a sleeper and I actually want to draft him in fantasy in some spots, Kenny Pickett's name was not be coming out of my mouth, dude. I'm just, I'm dumb. I'm surprised with this one, so I'm excited. I love it. I love it. Uh, so I'll tell you, I was surprised with this one. Whenever we, we, we did, I, I did research for our, our, our quarterback podcast for Fantasy Pros, and I was like, I'm looking at all the different parts of pieces of quarterback seasons, and I'm like, I get to the back half of the season, and I'm sitting here looking through player numbers and stuff like that, and I was like, all right, weeks 12 through 18, let's see who finishes strong, who, who could be another breakout guy. And I pull up all these efficiency metrics, and I'm like, Holy shit, look at Kenny Pickett. I'm looking for him weeks 12 through 18, and amongst all quarterbacks with at least 50 dropbacks. Kenny Pickett was first in PFF passing grade. He was fourth in big-time throw rate. He was first in PFF deep receiving passing grade. He was seventh in EPA per play. All of that shit opened my eyes. Like, I'm like, all right, you know what? I can't be in take lock here, man. We get new information. You got to stay liquid. I was not big on Kenny Pickett as a prospect at all, but I want to stay ahead of consensus because what are we talking about besides Kenny Pickett taking a step forward as a player that it's going to be the hindrance and everybody could talk about Matt Canada all you want to, but if you look at the weapons around Kenny Pickett, what's holding Kenny Pickett back from being a top 12 to 15 fantasy quarterback. He's got Deontay Johnson. He's got George Pickens. He's got Pat Fryermuth, uh, Allen Robinson, say what you will, but he is going to be one of the best third receivers in the league. Much less if you don't even believe in Allen Robinson, let's talk about Calvin Austin, who's a talented player in his own right coming out of the slot. And do we still want to talk about the receiving weapons coming out of the backfield? Najee Harris is what Najee Harris is, but he's a dependable weapon. Jalen Warren showed last year he's got that juice. So we're looking from a weapon standpoint around Kenny Pickett. What's the only thing holding Kenny Pickett back besides, okay, Matt Canada, if you want to go that route, but Kenny Pickett himself. So if Kenny Pickett in last season, from a deeper perspective, not just box score hunting and stats, stat hunting on the surface level, but from a level of was he playing better than the box scores reflected? Everything I look at and value says that from week 12 on, Kenny Pickett was playing a lot damn better than anything on the outside says that he was. So, yes, I'm buying into Kenny Pickett this year. I like it. Definitely like oh, it. I love it. I love it. And don't forget to mention they beefed up that offensive line, which was uh, yes, they did for them. They so. sure as hell did. So you're talking about Kenny Pickett. He's going to have more clean pockets to operate from, man. I just I look at and when we do these deeper dives on efficiency metrics and how players play to me, this is where you also get an edge based off of versus everything else that like surface level volume stats, stuff like that, that consider and tell you. Maybe this guy is going to break out or he is a bigger and better sleeper than anybody's giving him credit for. Cause, and, and, and this is also me on the L because I gave Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers 10 types of shit about even drafting the guy. So I'll own the L as much as I'm sitting here talking the guy up. I wasn't in on him last year. I was like, this is one of the dumbest draft picks I've seen in the last 10 years. So 
to, to come full circle and be like, yeah, like I'm going to be drafting Kenny Pickett. Like right now, if I look at my underdog exposures, he's top four as far as quarterback. So I'm putting my money where my mouth is. All right. I like it. I like it. Coach Sean, over to you. Who is your sleeper quarterback? Dude, I can't believe I'm going to keep riding this train. You are riding the train, man. All about it. Oh, Lord. It is God, Desmond sorry. Ritter. Uh, Desmond oh. Ritter is my sleeper quarterback. Um, obviously, quarterback 30 off the board. He is completely left for dead. He could be your last pick in just about any draft. Uh, totally fine. So why I like Desmond Ritter is for two, two reasons. One, I love the weapons around him. We, we all love Bijan. We all love Kyle Pitts. We like Drake London. Like we're all projecting these people to be sort of top tier in their respective, right? Desmond Ritter is going to be the one who gets them the ball. So I think his passing numbers, though, it won't be godly. It will be good enough to keep him sort of in that, you know, quarterback, low end quarterback two number. But the other thing that Desmond Ritter does that I think a lot of people forget is he rushes. He averaged over 100 rushing attempts every year in college at a 4.1 yards per carry clip. Like, he can do it. I'm not going to sit here and say he's Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts or any, but he is just as mobile as, you know, that next tier of guys. Like, he's just as mobile. You know, we talked about Daniel Jones, you know, rushing and being mobile. I think Desmond Ritter could rush as well as him. So, you know, I, I think this there is a world. Now, Dynasty gets kind of iffy and questionable because does he keep the job? Does he do whatever? But I don't care. I'm talking 2023, this next year. I think Desmond Ritter could absolutely be totally fine as a, you know, a quarterback two on your team. And there will be big weeks where, you know, Kyle Pitts breaks a big touchdown, Drake London, you know, take, gets one and then, Bijan takes a screen to the house and you're like, oh, oh, all of a sudden you have a, you know, a top 10 guy in the week. And so I just think it's interesting how quick and, and Atlanta's defense is going to stink. So they're going to have to throw the ball. They're going to have to score points and, and throw the ball. So, you know, I, I look at Desmond Ritter and I say to myself, you know, when you get this low, why not? Like, why not take Desmond Ritter? as If you're in a two quarterback league and you can get Desmond Ritter as your QB three, it's like, what's the worst that could happen? It's like I'm drafting him at the complete end of my draft. And so um, this is, you know, when we talk about upside and sleepers and all this, I think, a, you know, the definition of me of a sleeper is someone nobody wants, but will be fantasy relevant at some point in the season. I think Desmond Ritter will absolutely be fantasy relevant this season, and nobody seems to want him. Mm. <laughs> Derek Catholic has a couple words. <laughs> so I'll say this. <clears throat> you make a really good point, John, about, like, how can we be so high on especially not, – not so much Bijan, but, like, how can we be so high on London and Pitts – and not think that some of this doesn't like trickle down to Ritter. So I, I like that. That's a very valid argument. The, the parts where like, I'm just not in on Ritter is because I, I worry about his ability to hold the job. And I think them bringing in Taylor Heineke speaks that they're not even sure if he holds the job all year long. And so that gives me some pause about investing in Ritter. You're right. that like, the cost is freemium. Like he's just, <laughs> and the only thing I'll say about Desmond Ritter is that like, he's going to have to run. I'll say that he needs, and he has to run to be good in fantasy because I don't believe in Desmond Ritter, the passer um, so much like for me to invest in, in, in and, and yes, am I massive on Drake London? Yes, I am. But to be in on Drake London and Kyle Pitts, I think it's a different conversation. It's like, because like I said, you have the out of, well, if Ritter sucks, then Heineke plays. And we've seen what the Heineke show looks like. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's passable. It's okay. A team says, okay, you can play good enough. We can win some games if we can kind of cover up and the other weapons can be good enough to not expose how bad you are. Now, I just don't know if Desmond Ritter can be a good enough passer to hold the job or if he's going to run, because I won't push back. Like, you're absolutely right. He ran in college. 
My question is, do we see him run in the NFL? Because the short stint that we got out of him last year, he didn't run. He only had one game where he had more than 10 rushing yards. Um, his stint as a starter, they only gave him five designed rushing attempts. And for for Arthur Smith, like, and how much they used to involve, like, Tannehill as far as, like, in the run game, he wasn't a rushing quarterback per se, but his legs were utilized to me, that's one of the things where, like, when we saw Ritter last year, I was like, I'm sitting here scratching my head. I'm like, okay, like, y- y- Arthur Smith, you got to explain to me, like, I'm a five-year-old. Like, do you, you got to explain this to me. Like, the guy's struggling as a passer, and he struggled as a passer. Like, he was mm-hmm. t- outside the top 40, wider, 40 quarterbacks, excuse me, in adjusted completion rate and yards per attempt. He struggled mightily as a passer last year. Why are you not using his damn legs? Like, why are you not putting him on the move? Why are you not using boots? Why are you not using design rushing attempts? Because, like John's talking about, the guy has got athleticism. He can run. Like, what the hell are we doing here? So that's my biggest problems with Ritter is that, like, I think he has to run. We haven't seen that to this point, so there is some projection there. But I worry about him even being good enough as a passer to hold this job. Now, if he does all that, yes, he can be he can be a value in fantasy this year if both the rushing happens this year and I think that he is more of a sum of the parts. I don't think that he's ever going to be a quarterback that can elevate a passing game, but can Drake London and Kyle Pitts and Bijan in the passing game be enough to prop him up to where the Atlanta Falcons say, okay, we – Like, he's not going to be – if he's not worse than Marcus Mariota, like, well, shit, we won games with Marcus Mariota. If he's better than that, then, I mean, okay, maybe we have something here. But I just see – I see a lot of the pitfalls for Ritter, and I see Heineke waiting in the wings. I just don't know how long of a leash they give him for that. Yeah, and that's fair, and I totally understand. The Heineke thing does make me nervous because I do think Heineke is a a you know, starting quarterback. But I, I also think on the flip side of that, if, if you're Atlanta and you stink, maybe you want to just stink so you have a top three pick next year. You know what I'm saying? Like if Ritter really isn't the answer, just suck and go get, you know, the top quarterback next year. And so I don't know. It, it, it's definitely there's definitely a world where it's week five and Heineke's in there and Ritter is dead for sure. But it's quarterback 30, so I'll take my no, chance. No, great. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. the downside yeah. and the fantastic play of Ritter is already baked into his ADP, man. It's already right. it's, it's baked in there. He could do a little bit better than that, possibly. So, All right, Coach Jibs, who is your QB sleeper? Well, it's Sam Howell, but I just want to stay on the same point. Do you have this? Oh, sorry. I keep doing uh, that. Do you have the same sentiments with Sam Howell, D-Bro? It's like about him holding the job Sam all Howell. year? Holding the job, kind of like they don't have it like, Bijan and all that, but they have Terry McLaurin and it's a pretty yeah. like, steady group of running backs. I've got worries about Sam Howell being good enough to hold the job um, only because, and this is not so much a Howell thing, is because I think Jacoby Brissett is better than we give him credit for. Like, I put a tweet out about this like months ago. If you're looking for a guy that could be this year's Geno Smith, I think that the answer to that question is Jacoby Brissett. Because the, all of the weapons are there around him. And if you look at like how well Brissett played last year, he played extremely well for the Cleveland Browns. So I look at this as not like that. I think Sam Howell is, is a bad quarterback, especially in fantasy, because I think the one thing that we want, and we've already, we've already illuminated that a lot, Jibs, is that we want rushing from quarterbacks. I think Sam Howell is going to give us that. I think the, the, the concerns about Sam Howell for me it's, it's twofold. It's Jacoby Brissett being better and this team, like him beating him out for the starting job in Washington in week one. And the reason I say that too is we know the commanders are, are, are going to be under a new ownership regime. Mm-hmm. Like Dan, Dan Snyder's terrible ass is, is going to go let, they're going to go let him rot in a hole somewhere. He's not going to be the owner of this team anymore. So, I really look at this team as Ron Rivera and this coaching staff are coaching for their jobs this year. And with that, if they don't win shit, even if they do win, they might just totally just gut the coaching staff. 
Like the ownership could say, come in and be like, nah, we want our guys to sit here and lead this new iteration of the ownership and the commanders. So like, I think that they could literally be coaching for their jobs. And with that, you're looking at a team that says like starts out with the Sam Howell experience and says, okay, three to four weeks into it, Washington's like, well, our defense is playing really damn good. We're one in three. We think we have a good enough team and they're not wrong. Like they have a good enough team to win some games like that. That could be a, a nine win team and be buying for a wild card spot. Considering if they just get decent enough quarterback play, and we've already seen that out of Jacoby Brissett, he could do that. So my worries about Sam Howell are not so much, is Sam Howell okay enough or good enough, or can he offer us production and fantasy? Can he be good enough to hold the job? My worries about Sam Howell are that this team is going to say, we need wins to even keep our jobs for the rest of this season, much less past this season. And they go to Brissett. My other worry is that maybe Jacoby Brissett just wins the damn job in camp because he plays better. And there are still reasons for why Sam Howell dropped in the draft as much as he did. You know, we're still talking about a guy that like that team didn't invest very much to even draft Sam Howell. So how long is that leash? How good is Brissett versus Howell? What does this team look like after four weeks? And they're saying, well, shit, we're one and three. Hell, I'm worried about even having a paycheck when we get to week eight, much less <laughs> after the end of the season. But, I mean, that's that's my biggest things, Jibs. Yeah, Jibs said his mic is not working. I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to filibuster as long as I possibly could. If everybody's <laughs> listening to me, like, I was like, all right, I'm just going to keep freaking talking until yeah, Jibs gets back it. here for a second. I'm like, I'm going to filibuster my ass off to get Jibs <laughs> back here so we can just go to this, like, smooth. But I think Jibs, um, he's having a problem with the mic. He is. Yeah. I mean. But I uh, I agree. I, I like Sam Howell as a sleeper for sure. I mean, there is a uh, – it's funny. I guess does – what's who scares you more, Brissett or Heineke? Right? Like, that's, you mm-hmm. know, kind of a that's good fair. question to ask yourself. And my um, answer is Brissett, but who, who do yeah, you go I would with, John? I, I would agree with Brissett, too. I, I would agree yeah. with Brissett. Um, yeah. But, yeah, they're both, you know, when you get down into these sleeper quarterbacks, there's all reasons for why they're not higher. So, obviously, you know, there's there's risk with Sam Howell. But uh, Jahan Dutton, Terry McLaurin's two pretty good guys to be throwing to. Um say what you want, but Antonio Gibson was a wide receiver back in the day when he was in college. So he can pass catch as well. Um, yeah. I, I like Sam Howell to, to kind of break out of this, you know, ADP. I, I think people sometimes, um, you know, will look at dynasty for quarterback. They'll think long-term too much where it's like, sometimes yeah. you just got to think like who, who helps me win right now? Like that's kind of my Desmond Ritter take like Sam Howell, same thing. Like, I'm just trying to patchwork some people right now who can help me win. And and then, you know, I'll try and hit on Mahomes and Josh Allen some other time. I don't know. Um, For me, like in one quarterback formats, like these guys are not even in the conversation unless you pick them up off the waiver wire later. But like in Superflex, that's where I think like bringing up these types of guys really brings the merit, you know what I mean? Because it's like if Sam Howell runs – could he be a top 12, top 15 guy if everything coalesces? I mean, I think it's possible. Now, is it really, really damn unlikely? Yeah. But is it possible considering the rushing equity we saw out of him at college? Again, making a Ritter type of take. Mm-hmm. And that we've seen that out of him. The, the other thing I didn't bring up in my long filibustering, and, and, and I, I want to throw this to you guys because I, I need the coach perspective here. Mm-hmm. I, and and I don't want to sound like like I'm I'm tossing shade at him because look I I'm not, but I think that we also need to understand that there is a big big difference that we cannot cut and paste narratives for Kansas City and put all of that on Eric Bieniemy. What the hell does his offense look like? And that's that's the part that none of us I don't think can answer. But like, you don't see people out there on social media questioning what does the Washington offense look like? You know, like, are they going to be run heavy? Are they going to be packed? Like, are they going to throw the ball enough? Like, I I don't know. And, right. and we can't just sit here and take these Andy Reid, like, years in Kansas City and say, well, Eric Bieniemy was on the staff. So all of that shit you cannot cut and paste and sit here and put in Washington. Like, 
You can't do that. Like, oh, yeah, well, Washington's going to be top 12 in passing rate. Well, nobody expects that. But (laughs) do we see, like, could they be top five in rushing rate? It's possible. I'm shit. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the Washington Commander's offense looks like with Eric Bieniemy calling plays because we've never seen that before at all. So, like, I I, I need the input from y'all. Like, what do you see this offense looking like in your mind's eye? Because that's a real big question mark for me. Go ahead, John. Uh, so it's funny. Eric Bieniemy is a great one because he is the wild card in this equation mm-hmm. for all of the Washington pieces. Um, I, I am on the camp that I do think um, I, I don't. Brian Robinson running back is not a game changer. Uh, and yep. then Antonio Gibson on the ground is not really a game changer. So yep. I'm in the I'm in the camp that, you know, Eric Bieniemy is smart. So he will get the ball in his playmakers hands and his playmakers right now are Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dodson. So I think he will scheme things up and do things to get them the ball, which will make them obviously right now a little pass heavy. But, uh, you know, it's not. I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, they're going to be a top five offense just because Eric Bieniemy's there. I mean, it's it's crazy how quick, you know, listen, it wasn't long ago that we said the same thing about Josh McDaniels. And then he goes and gets a job somewhere else and look terrible. So, you know, it's just it's, it's just I don't think Eric Bieniemy's a bad. I think he's a great coach. He's probably an awesome offensive mind. But it's not this like surefire thing that he's a top. This is going to be a top five offense. He's going to be hyper creative and get every everybody's going to be a fantasy superstar. It's like, no, there's a world that, you know, Eric Bieniemy is maybe he's more conservative than we think. You know, maybe he's, yep. you know, they don't have a tight end that they can throw to where he was so used to having that. So, you know, how does he change his scheme? How does he change? Um, you know, different RPO stuff that, that he was able to do with Mahomes that he might yep. not be able to do with Howell. Um, well, and that's what the, that's what worries me, John. Is like, what what does the enemy's offense look like? And I think like we all kind of shade that he's going to be good, you know, mm-hmm. and this offense is going to be good because of him. And to me, I'm like, we've also seen a lot of guys come from like, you know, good offenses, good quarterbacks, things like that. And then the offense is dog shit. Like, I mean, I remember last year, like, we didn't got to look that far in the past of like, man, Nathaniel Hackett and what are you done with Aaron Rodgers? And, you know, the Adam Gacy in years. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Eric Bieniemy, as much as I like him and I want him to succeed, he might be bad. I, I don't sure. know. But the one like, thing I mean, is that he's coming in as an OC. He's not coming in as the head coach having to handle this head coaching things. That's the one thing I'd have to say is that I feel like he has. But a he's chip still going to be calling plays, Steve. Yeah, he's still going to be calling plays. I mean, we, we're not expecting Riverboat Ron to be doing that. Oh God, he, no. has a, he has a good head coach that will probably try to keep him in check to some extent. But he's got something on his shoulder to prove. I I believe it's going to be more pass than run because okay. I feel like he's. He, I feel like he needs to show that, you know, maybe he had more say in this offense than we think he does in this Kansas City offense from before. He probably might not have. You know, we don't know. But mm-hmm. I think he's going to try to prove that. But Ron Rivera is going to keep him in line and say, listen, I understand you want to do all this, but we got to run the ball. So yeah, it's going to be in that's check, but it's going to be his thing still. That's why I worry. I'm worried that this offense goes and it's and it's really run heavy and they lean on their defense and the passing volume's not great. Now maybe that could be okay for Sam Howell to like a lot of RPOs, but Jibs, are, 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 I need to hear your voice, man. You got the mic. You ready to sit here and tell me why you believe in Sam Howell? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. That's it. Um, I, I just was like, I'm basically a believer i think they both yeah, him and yeah i've been listening to coach steve bang my ear drum for like last month but i'm a believer that um hopefully sam howe and eric bmd both have something to prove and like obviously everyone's gonna hang their head on sam howe and his like 800 rushing yards in college and whatever but like if you give him 30 yards rushing yards a game which is uh maybe high but you're maybe 25 he still could get like 400 to 450 yeah. yards rushing yards and that's like top they'll put you in to six seven eighth most rushing yards quarter uh mm-hmm. most quarterback rusher so um other than that like i i have no reason to believe his passing ability whatsoever and he has more enough weapons for him to improve on that but like i do see the concerns i i 
was probably going for five minutes and you guys were seemed like it was a heated debate. So we covered everything for yourself. So. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely rewatch it. And um <laughs> like other than that, like I just think he's free and he has some upside for someone who's going as QB twenty seven if all things go right. So where I guess drawing that the upside scenario for for Sam Howell I think is tied to his legs. I think oh, yeah. I think he's gonna it. So I, I I'll set this. I you, you threw out rushing expectations for me to see like that he pays off and we're actually talking about Sam Howell as being a startable quarterback. And the way that I look at this is like a startable quarterback, streamer worthy, all that kind of good stuff in one QB formats. Where do you see his rushing yards? I know you laid out the case, but like, tell me this over under 500 yards. Do you think he gets over or under? I th- I can, I I'll, I'll throw this out. I'll, I'll build the case that I'll take the over because I think if Sam Howell is going to be a success this year, he's going to have to run. So I'll take the over. But where do y'all where do y'all sit? Starting with Jibs. I'm over. I'm a betting man. Okay, let's go. I'll, that's such a good line. I, I will, I'll take over just because, um, like Thank you, you said, I think I'll, he I'll, has I should open my own sports book. <laughs> I, think it, I think he, like I said, he's if he's going to win this job out, he has to run. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll bet over. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big believer in Howell, so I'm, I'm, I'll take Yeah, Steve's that obviously – Steve, I didn't know you were a sleepy Sam Howell uh, stand. Uh, he was my QB1 coming out of the draft. Oh. I had my, my favorite prospect. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I mean, that quarterback class is not saying too It wasn't too much. great, but he was my favorite quarterback uh, out of the class. No, 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 no. I'm like, well, you know mm, – mm. <laughs> I would have picked him myself. I feel like I've been just talking up so much Sam Howell. I was like, you know what? Let me talk about somebody else for once. And then Jim's picked him. I'm like, well, you just can't get away from Sam Howell. So, <laughs> <laughs> so now you just nah. don't fight it, man. You just go with it. Yeah, it's like, nice, nice, Jibs. Nice pick, nice pick. So, all right, let's finish up with my last quarterback sleeper of the night here. It's Derek Carr, guys, the new quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. So with Derek Carr, it, it's like five years too late that he needs a change change of scenery he finally got his change of scenery um you know he's been through so much man the last few years with, with uh mcdaniel's offense he's had to deal with he's had to deal with the whole uh um uh, well, i can't think of the last quarterback the last head coach john gruden john gruden situation and everything like if you look at the last two years he's not been that great of a quarterback he's been sloppy inconsistent besides his fourth quarter comebacks um he's been sloppy with the ball over the last two years and i feel like with Devonte adams i feel like it didn't help his game it made him focus on just one player way too much and if we were looking at him a couple years ago he was giving out the different players with darren waller two years ago when he was healthy hunter renfell getting him on the map you know spreading the ball around a little bit more than focusing on one player i feel like that kind of hurt his overall game a little bit and and forced him to throw into situations because, oh, it's Devontae Adams, I have to give this man the ball, and cause too many like bad plays overall. And now that he's out of Las Vegas, he's in New Orleans now, a team that signed him to a decent contract, he's got weapons all around, probably the most deepest in terms of weapons on his offense. Chris Olave, if Michael Thomas is back and healthy, I mean, that's going to be huge. You know, you have Jawan Johnson, Taysom Hill, you have, you know, Rashad Rashid back there. If you like A.T. Perry, you have him. They have a plethora of running backs there. One that's really good as a pass catcher of Alvin Kamara, as long as he obviously plays this season. But I feel like this change of scenery is going to get Derek Carr because he, the last few years prior to the, like the last two years, he was a you know a flirting with QB one for a couple of years. He was like the thirteenth quarterback for like two or three years in a row there, and I feel like he could get back to that. He's not. I don't think he has the upside to be a top eight quarterback anymore. He's sitting at QB nineteen, I think he can get back to that where he's a borderline be one where like you take him late in your draft and you're happy that he gives you a, a decent play most weeks here uh, i feel like the offense is going to to thrive around him on this offense here i don't think the whole thing the whole Taysom hill at quarterback situation i feel like that's coming to an end i feel like they really want to get him away from that situation and use him more as a as a tight end and like, at times maybe a wildcat but this is Derek carr's quarterback I and mean, we saw last year andy Dolan. he didn't have a terrible season not great or anything but andy Dolan's also Passes way past his prime at this point. And then even Jameis Winston, we saw glimpses of Jameis Winston last year play decent football as a, as a quarterback. I think Derek Carr is an upgrade over both those guys. And I think he can get back to solid, you know, high-end QB2 up play. I know I, I don't 
where you're sitting at right now, I think you're getting like not a steal, but just a nice play at quarterback if you decide to wait at that position. So, Steve, like, would you like to know who has the easiest strength of schedule of which team for the 2023 season? I want to say the New Orleans Saints, too. Ding, ding. <laughs> you're right. <sir. laughs> ding, NFC ding. South. Yep. Uh, I, I like the car pick, and I think, like, you're looking at, like, there are going to be a lot of stretches during this season where Dear Car is going to be in a lot of streaming articles. There is going to be a lot of articles that say, hey, pick up Derek Carr and stream him. You know, like there's just multiple spots, not only if you're looking at the overall strength of schedule, but like, let's just go down. I mean, like, come on, man. Like there's at least a good like four or five game stretch, like right here, just picking out one thing for the New Orleans Saints in the middle of their in the middle of their season. This is the the. uh the murderer's row of defenses they have to have to face in a, in a, in a few. Uh, they play the Colts, the Bears, the Vikings, and the Falcons in one month. Tell wow. me how many streaming articles you're going to see written this season. Every single week. <laughs> where Derek Carr is, and there's going to be other ones that, that say play him in the fantasy playoffs because, oh, well, let me see. The last four to five weeks of the season, he gets the Panthers, the Giants, the Rams, the Buccaneers, and the Falcons again. Falcons week eighteen. Like, there's going to be multiple like stretches of this year where it's like, man, we all need to be streaming Derek Carr. So I, I'm totally with it, man. Just like whether you look at it from a weapon standpoint, um, as well as the schedule lines up extremely well. There are a lot of people are going to be placing Derek Carr in their starting lineups at various points, not just by weeks for your quarterbacks <laughs> this year. So I like the call. Appreciate it. And you guys yeah. have a opinion? You agree? Yeah, you just yeah, sold I mean, me listen, on all that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you won't meet a bigger Chris Olave fan. So oh, yeah. You love that I think mean, Olave. Oh, he genuinely won't. Uh, so it's work out beautiful this year for him. Good oh, dude, I can't wait. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Derek Carr. I like him at quarterback 19. I think he could easily, uh, you know, outperform that. You know, he's a solid, always been a solid quarterback. He's The other thing I like about him, too, is he's an Iron Man. He's all, he's in every game. He barely gets hurt. So, yeah, there's a you can make a great case for Derek Carr being a, a high-end, you know, kind of middle quarterback, too, in, in a super flex. It'd be great, you know, and, and get you those spike weeks when – you know, Olave hits a big bomb and Thomas takes a slant to the house. Yeah, I okay. like it. I think in your best case scenario, and I think there's a really good chance that this could happen this year. Uh, I'll go as far to say like how everybody talks about Kirk Cousins as like the unsexy QB 12 of every single year. Yeah. Tell me why Derek Carr couldn't be that this year. Yeah, like, absolutely. Could. Why? Why not? Like, right. I mean, remind me of like uh, like when Philip Rivers was still kind of kicking around, and everyone was like, "Oh, Philip Rivers yeah. is." It's like, yeah, no, he's he's still really good. He's still going like, to be. I'm not telling you Carr has top five upside, top yeah. eight, but can he be? Is Number... there a way where Derek Carr could fall in that QB ten to twelve discussion after this year? Um, yeah, for sure. That's definitely mm-hmm. possible. Yeah, for sure. Yep, for sure. All right. Well, we're going to finish up tonight's show, guys. This was a fantastic show. A lot of conversation, a lot of arguments. I loved it. Love the whole thing here. Uh, Jibs, anything you want to mention before we get going? No, sir. John, Sweet. anything? Oh. Oh, no. This was a ton of fun. Uh, Derek, thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure. Uh, you guys are, you know, do great work over at Fantasy Pros. I always appreciate you coming on Talking Football. Yes, and hey, obviously, man. Derek, yes, we appreciate you jumping on, man. This was obviously You made this episode very fun for us, so yeah, we appreciate that as always. So, um, you know, if there's anything you want to mention that you guys have going on, I'll give you the floor now, my friend. Uh, thank you all for having me, man. This was an absolute blast. Love chopping it up, talking ball with you all, man. Um, I know I sound like, I, you know, I like to give people shit and stuff like that, but to <laughs> me, there are a lot of fantasy shows out there do too much damn handholding and everybody's all nice and shit. Like people want to hear you push back against somebody's takes. People want to hear it where it's like not just being an ass to be an ass, but like where it's, there are different, there are two sides to every coin. And so it's nothing but love guys. Like, so for me, like, we're going to get a lot of things right this season. We're getting a lot of things wrong, but I really appreciate coming on here and chopping it up with y'all. So thank y'all again for having me, man. This was fantastic. 
good quarterback talk, dude. And uh, yeah, I mean, all the things and stuff, man. I mean, all my work's at Fantasy Pros. <laughs> Our draft yeah, yeah. kids live. Go check it out. You know, like Watch me it's all good stuff, man. I mean, you know, haven't heard of Fantasy Pros at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, they got the website. They're, they got some uh, rankings. Yeah, they do I different things. You're doing something wrong if you haven't heard of them. So. <laughs> I can't. All the shameless plugs I can hit you with right now. I mean, look. You guys might want to also check out this TV network called ESPN. They're pretty good, too. (laughs) (laughs) If you you go to fantasypros.com, and I'll just say this. If you go to the site, you look at our draft kit, and it is not absolutely fantastic. There's not one metric shit ton of stuff to help you to win your leagues this year. Hit me up. Hop in our Discord. Talk shit to me. Sit there and tag me out on Twitter. I'll own that L, but I'm I'm confident in that because I know that's not going to happen. So, yeah, there's my plug. Love it. Love it. All right, guys. So, again, appreciate you all for tuning in listening to tonight's show, whether you're listening live on our YouTube channel at the Fantasy Coaches or if you're listening live or not live, but afterwards on whatever Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we do appreciate you always tuning in. Uh, a couple things. Uh, continue to look on our YouTube channel. I've been putting out our uh, 2023 outlooks on individual players that John made me do, and now I'm doing on a week-to-week basis. Um, they're coming out pretty good. They're also on our TikTok, too. It's still the fantasy coaches there, too. Uh, we have our charity leagues over on uh, Twitter. You can find that on, pinned on their thing there. It's really cool. Uh, we're donating to the Humane Society. We did it last year. We're doing it again this year here. So hoping to add more people to our leagues and do a little funness with that. You know, we're trying to get a couple of these going. We have one so far filled. Try to get one more going. So it's a lot of fun. And, of course, uh, we'll be back next week uh, talking, I think, running backs next week. So tune in next Monday, the 17th. Uh, until then, guys, thanks for listening as always. Take care. The bag is not far fed. We got a couple of clock hands. I've been feeling super duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like pooper scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Shh, like boom, running like zoom. The highest and mighty has entered the room. High off the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players covered this nuts as legumes. Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running track. Listen up, Jack. I'ma head back. Back to the blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. Go.